For this morning, we're going to be reading Isaiah. We're just going to read two verses. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. We usually tell the Christmas story through the Gospel of Luke or some uh, one of the Gospels. But this morning, we're going to tell it through Old Testament. We're going to tell it through Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And today we day was a day that we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, a day that God came down, that God became man, that God was incarnate. We thank you, Lord for this gift, the greatest gift that was ever given to us. We pray that we take it seriously. We pray that we just continue to put our faith in Jesus and continue to follow Jesus and to remember during this holiday season, but not just this holiday season, Lord, every day. Just remember that Christmas is Jesus and that true hope and true joy and true peace are found only through Jesus. So we pray, Lord, that your spirit speak to us this morning and that your words, Lord, are spoken. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real simple title. It's a real simple message. It's Christmas. Christmas is Jesus. The Christmas story is not a new, it's not a new story. You've heard it how many times? I don't know. It's a story that's been told for ages. As a matter of fact, it's probably a story that's been told since Christ was born. Right? The story hasn't changed for 2,000 years, rounding up. Right? Christmas begins with Christ. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Christmas story will never change. And Christmas is a lot of things to a lot of people. And you probably know this. Some people hate the holidays. They absolutely loathe it. And I can understand why, trust me. Sometimes the holidays are a real pain in the butt. Some people love the holidays. Christmas is my favorite holiday. Even though this year has been one of the most stressful Christmases ever, right? This has not been my favorite year by a long shot, especially this Christmas season. It's just been hectic and a blur. You know how it's like you're watching things and they're constantly in motion and you're just seeing it and everything's just like moving all and you can't stop anything. It's just like you feel like you're just constantly, everything looks kind of blurry because it's moving and it's like, that's what it feels like. It's just like nothing stops. There's no rest. It's just hectic and crazy. But regardless of that, Christmas is my favorite season. It's my favorite holiday, right? So some people, Christmas is all about joy. Some people, Christmas is all about hope. Some people, it's all about giving, some people are generous givers on Christmas. It's amazing, right? Some people, Christmas is all about family gathering and Christmas treats and candy canes and Christmas lights. 
I mean, I've, I've had to hide the candy canes in my house because <laughs> I have a daughter who has a sweet tooth. And any bag of chocolate or candy cane that you leave out in the open is going to be gone by morning. And Christmas lights. My house gets a new, a new section of lights every year. I'm not quite up to Griswold status yet, but I'm moving. You know, I'm getting there. Yet, despite what Christmas is, to you or to me or to your neighbor or to your family or any, anybody, despite all the noise, the, Christmas, my favorite quote, I've said it before and I'll say it again, right? Christmas is the day that holds all time together. That's a quote by Alexander Smith. He was a Scottish poet. As if he is saying that all of life, everything that we go through, every aspect of life, in a sense, revolves around this one day, Christmas, just as the earth revolves around the sun. You know, funny thing is, our life, right, revolves around the sun as well. It revolves around the son of God, God the son, Jesus. And it tells us in Colossians 1.17 that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And Christmas is Jesus, so maybe Christmas is the day that holds all time together. Now the birth of Christ is, like I said, a simple story. It's just a, about the birth of a child. It's simple in the fact that there's really, I mean, when you look, if you go into the New Testament and count the verses that speak about the birth of Jesus, I think there's only like 35 verses in the Gospels that speak about the birth of Jesus. You can check me on that if anybody wants to do some extra credit. But having said that, the birth of Jesus and the Christmas story is not a simple event at all, right? There, it, that would be such an understatement for us to call it a simple event in history because not one thing, nothing would be the same after Christ was born. I've said this quote before. I'm sure you've heard it. It bears repeating. Um, a thousand times in history, a baby has become a king, but only once in history has a king become a baby. Right? Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, King of kings and Lord of lords, was born. A baby. His humanity, his humility, his sovereignty, his deity, all present at his birth, throughout his life. Right? Jesus, Lord at thy birth, as we sang. Right? God incarnate. Incarnate means taking on flesh. Right? He became human without ceasing to be God. Try to wrap your head around that. Right? And it wasn't just that he appeared in human form, but that he was fully human, right? Blood, flesh, and bones. And at the same time, fully God. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11, expand on this. And they say that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, right? <clears throat> and being found in human form. That's his incarnation. That's the birth of Jesus. 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? John 1.14 puts it very simply. It's one of your verse you should memorize. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son of the, from the Father, full of grace and truth. But it wasn't just like New Testament. Right? We can go back, of course. We just read Isaiah chapter 9, but we can go back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that tells us, right? it's one of the Old Testament verses that prophesies about the coming Messiah, that tells us that she will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Right? God with us, Emmanuel. That's the birth of Jesus. That's God incarnate. Jesus. That's what we celebrate. That's what we give thanks for. Today, on this day, Christmas Day, because nothing was the same after Jesus was born. And no one who gives their life to Jesus will ever be the same again either. Your life is not the same after you met Jesus. After you surrendered your life to Jesus. Because Jesus is life-changing. And so on Christmas, this is why we celebrate Jesus. And globally, people have been celebrating Jesus since his birth. I mean, I don't know what it looked like back then, but I mean, the earliest official mention of Christmas, quote unquote, as a, as a, as a holiday on December 25th is, on the, is in the Roman calendar from AD 336. Okay. That's a long time ago. I've been celebrating Christmas for a long time. Long before it ever became an official holiday here in the United States. Long before, you know, we took Santa Claus and fattened him up and gave him a different name. Right? Long before all of that, all those traditions, we were celebrating the birth of Christ. But truthfully, as Christians, you and I, as part of the body of Christ, we celebrate Jesus, or we should celebrate Jesus, every day, not just on Christmas. Because the birth of Christ is such a monumentous event in our lives that it's not something we should just be remembering one day a year. It's something we should be thankful for and remembering and shouting about every day, every day of the year. See, Christmas for us, for Christians, is really an outreach event. Christmas for us is a time where we can testify the truth concerning the birth of Jesus. We can testify through our lives about that. So for us, it's an outreach event, right? Come, let us adore him, we can tell people. Christ the Lord. Because for many people, Jesus is, is relegated to one day a year, maybe one season a year, or two, right? Two seasons a year, Easter and Christmas. Those are the days that people, you know, that who never come to church feel guilty enough that they need to go to church, right? One of those two days a year, if not both. But I understand, I mean, life, life's crazy. Life's chaotic. Life's confusing. 
It's all, and in all the chaos, especially in the last couple of years, this last year has been harder for me personally than the two years. I mean, 2020 and 21 seemed like a piece of cake compared to 2022. I don't know what the difference was, but but in the midst of all that, it's it's easy for everything to get cluttered up and for you know you know everything get our vision to be fogged up and we lose focus and we forget what's the what's the purpose what's the purpose of the season what's the reason for the season it's Jesus and so we live in this world that's screaming for peace that's blindly searching for hope right in all the wrong places that's being led astray and deceived by the people they thought were going to take care of them. And we, we who have been adopted into the family of God, reconciled to God through Christ Jesus, who have been grafted in and now share in the blessing and are receiving rich nourishment, we, of all people, should be shouting from the rooftops, Right? We should be telling it on the mountain as the song goes, one of my favorite songs. Right? Hope was born on Christmas Day. Salvation has come. Jesus is here. I mean, the angels shared this good news of great joy with the shepherds. They're the first people who heard the news. Right? The lowly shepherds in the field. Dirty, unclean, outcasts for the most part. It's the gospel message. That's who Christ comes to. Not those who don't think they need it. Not those who think they're religious or upright. To those who have been outcast and dirty and unclean, quote unquote. And the good news of great joy, the angels, right, sang the first Christmas carol out there, shared the good news to the shepherds. And what did the shepherds do? The shepherds were like, uh, we should go check this out. And they did. And they shared that same gospel message to Mary and Joseph. Did you guys know what the angel said about your baby? You know that song, Mary, did you know? Mary knew. I don't like that song. It's not one of my favorites. But Mary knew. She knew the angel. They all told her before Jesus was born. Mary knew, but she still pondered that in her heart. Wow. Right? A Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Right? And peace to those on whom his favor rests is what the angels told him. It's an amazing message. You're looking for peace? You're looking for God's grace? Where is it found? In Jesus. In Jesus. So the shepherds shared the good news. So what are we sharing on Christmas? Besides cookies and treats and hot cocoa and all the other things that we love to share right on Christmas what are we sharing you know often what we share on Christmas you ready for this here comes Santa Claus here comes Santa Claus right down Santa Claus lane right this is often what we share on Christmas and I'm not picking on Santa Claus because I just watched Miracle on 34th Street the other night with my kids. We watch it every year. Right? It's, a classic, it's a classic film. You can teach Jesus from that film. 
practice in, in how they, I mean, if you want to. It's not a film about Jesus, mind you. But you can teach it from that film. Get a drink. <coughs> and I love my Christmas music, too. And I'm sure I have that song in my, you know, my playlist with all my other Christmas songs. Can anybody get me a glass of water? A cup of water, that would be great. Because when I get that <coughs> tickle in my throat, sometimes coffee doesn't, doesn't help me cut it out. Christmas is Jesus, first and foremost, above everything else. You know why it's easy? Thank you, Eddie. You know why it's easy for uh, me or my family to uh, be involved or, or, or watch all these other things on Christmas Day? It's because we, we know the truth of Christmas. It's we know fact from fiction. We've taught our kids from birth the difference between Santa Claus and Jesus. So it doesn't. It, we um, we love watching Christmas movies. I'm not like I said, I'm not picking on these traditions or Santa Claus. Kurt Russell makes a great Santa Claus, right? He's like it just adds enough Elvis in there, and it's it's a really it's a really good Santa Claus. So we love these things, but we know fact from fiction. That's why it's easy for us to watch them and enjoy them. You know, we're, not, we're not thinking, though, Santa Claus is actually going to come down. I don't have a chimney, but it doesn't matter, right? He just makes his own chimney, comes in, Santa Claus. But Christmas is all about Jesus. And I think it's never been more important for us today to cut through all the commercialization that it's been. Do you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but do you know that over in Europe, where Santa Claus isn't as big of a figure as he is here in the United States, right? Because over in Europe, they have a different character, right? And they're trying to uh, separate them. There's a, there's a movement, it's been going on for like at least 10 years, I think, over in Europe, where they're trying to get rid of the commercialized, overweight, fat, jolly Santa Claus and send him back to the United States where he belongs, right? And get him out of Europe because they don't like him. Right? They don't like this American Santa Claus. Right? They're trying to, to get him out, which is great. Now they just need to get to Jesus. So I think that it's, it's never been more important for us to cut through all this commercialization, to cut through all the fiction and all the legends and all the false gospels of dancing sugar plums. I mean, sugar plums are terrible. Why do we want to promote sugar plums anyway? Right? They're awful. And get people pointed back in the right direction to Jesus, which is why we celebrate this whole holiday. None of this that we have on Christmas, we would have in, without Jesus, right? None of it. So let me tell you a story. I almost blew the whole thing already. I almost got ahead of myself. Blew my whole story. It would have been terrible. Let me tell you a story. It's a real story, okay? It's a real story. And you're, you're probably going to be thinking, how is this going to tie into the message? Well, if it doesn't tie into the message, you can blame it on Eddie, okay? But, or my sugar high, or one of the two, right? But you, know, you, can, 
It, it is a true story, and it happened about 1087 AD, so that a few years ago. But I remember it like it was just yesterday. <laughs> Joking. Right. So there's these, these brave and intrepid sailors from Italy, um, Bari, Italy, which is over on the backside of the shoe, I think, or the boot, or whatever that thing's called. And they were, they were in Antioch, which is like Asia Minor. You remember Antioch from when we went through Acts and Paul and stuff like that? So they were, they were in Antioch, and they're going to sail on their way home. But <clears throat> they decide to stop before they go straight home in the city of Myra. Now, Myra is in what Turkey today. It's not called Myra. I think it's called Dur- Demri or something like that today. But they're going to stop in the city of Myra. Because in the city of Myra at this time, in 1087, uh, there was a rather prestigious historical and religious site that they wanted to visit. Right? It was a Christian church, actually. Now, their, their visit wasn't for touristy reasons. Right? They weren't just going to stop and get a few snapshots and you know, buy a souvenir from the gift shop. Right? <clears throat> they actually had other motives which were mainly opportunistic. But yet, at the same time, to give them some credit, they went there to protect and extract, which means, by the way, steal, some relics. So these relics wouldn't be destroyed. That's what they were afraid of, right? Because this area in Asia Minor, this area which is today Turkey, uh, had a large Christian population from basically the days of Paul's missionary journeys you know, until the, until the time of the Turkish dynasties. And when, the, and when these Turkish dynasties came in and started uh, taking over, they started destroying and, uh, all the Christian churches and the Christian sites and everything that went along with that. So if you had, if you, had you know, historical relics or anything that these churches might have had in them, they all got destroyed when the church got destroyed. Right? So, so these intrepid sailors from Italy are like, well, there's, right, there's two things that we can do here. One, we can go steal the relic because we can say we want to protect it. We don't want it to get destroyed, right? But at the same time, we can take it back with us to Italy and then we'll have it, right? And the people will come to our town and want to see it. So it was kind of opportunistic, but at the same time, you know, they wanted to protect it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and this church that, that they were going to was eventually destroyed. As a matter of fact, just a little you know, trivia knowledge here for you. Uh, the church was destroyed, and then it was flooded because of rising sea levels in, in the area. It's right there on the, on the coast. And another ch- church was eventually built on top of it, and they thought that they had lost this original church. They didn't, they're like, it's gone, right? Until they started excavating under the church that was built on top of it, and they found the original foundation just in October of this year. Anyway, and this specific site today is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So anyway, that's just beside the point. Right? So these Christian Italian sailors, thieves, ninjas right, from Italy, they, they go and get a tour of the church. Right? Hey, oh, come on in. You know, got your ticket? All right, let's give you a tour of the church. And they asked, you know, they asked questions about the relics and they're looking around and stuff like that. And actually the, the, 
whoever took care of the church, the priests or whoever it was, the people who handled it, they started getting suspicious. They're like, hmm, you're asking a lot of questions about this specific relics. And they actually asked him, you aren't planning on trying to take this back to your own city, are you? That would be ridiculous, right? And they're like, oh, no, we don't want to do that. But somehow they managed to, you know, distract him enough that they, that they, uh, they broke open the tomb, stole the contents, take off running back to their ship, right? And motor on out of there as fast as you could back in that time with, you know, how, how, how fast can you get a ship off the dock? With all the townspeople chasing after him, as legend goes, right, in hot pursuit. Uh, you had, a, you had a, a boat chase for a while. I'd just wait for the movie to come out, right? They should make a movie of this. It'll be a Christmas movie, kind of like Die Hard. Anyway, they, they take the journey home, which was about 700 nautical miles back home. And they only stop once to have a custom box built for the relics that they took. And then they get home, and everyone at home is waiting for them. At the, like, like they texted ahead or something, right? Let them know that the, that the heist was successful. We get it. We stole it. Okay. You know, right? And they built a huge church in Bari, Italy. It took them two years to house the relics that they stole. And then after they get it done, Pope Urban II shows up to bless and consecrate the shrine that they had made. And today this basilica in Italy, in Bari, is visited by hundreds of thousands, if not half a million people a year. And you're thinking, what did they steal? <laughs> right? What was it that they took from Myra? You might have guessed it already. Right? You might already know this story. I don't know. What they stole was the bones of the bishop of Myra. And the bishop of Myra is otherwise known as Nicholas of Myra, otherwise known as St. Nicholas. The interesting thing about St. Nicholas is that he was not made a saint because the church voted in him as a saint. He was made a saint because he was so popular with the people after he died because of what he did while he was alive that they forced the church to make him a saint. The people basically made him a saint and then said, you will adopt what we have done. And the church went along with it and made him a saint. Anyway, because you know you have to like perform miracles while you're living. And there's all these checklists you have to go through for the church, actually, the Catholic church, right, to make you, or the Orthodox church, to make you a saint. Anyway, St. Nicholas, right? And you know your Christmas history and legend, right? St. Nicholas is the inspiration, of course, for Santa Claus, right? The Dutch word for St. Nicholas is Sinterklaas. And when the immigrants came over to the U.S., they celebrated Sinterklaas, which was a, a day that they celebrated St. Nicholas. And us Americans, right, took the name Sinterklaas and eventually transformed it in Santa Claus. And Santa Claus went from being a bishop to a fat, roly-poly, jolly guy, right? Now, if you study the legend of St. Nicholas today, it reads like a superhero novel. There was nothing written about St. Nicholas while he was alive. And everything written about St. Nicholas happened after he died. He flies through the air to save people. 
from ships, sinking ships. He's raising the dead. You you think of a miracle for the most part. The only thing he can't do is save people from their sins, right? But he's done pretty much everything else, right? He is, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of more causes than any ever other saint on the books. And you can go look up what he's the patron saint of, but you want a patron saint of something, it's probably St. Nicholas, right? Hundreds of things that he is the patron saint of. He has more churches in the world named after him, more than you can count. There's over 300 churches in the United States alone that are named after St. Nicholas, if not dedicated to St. Nicholas. But here's the thing. St. Nicholas? Nicholas? Because I'm not sure about the whole saint thing. You know, I mean, we're all saints in Christ Jesus. But St. Nicholas, he just loved Jesus. He just loved Jesus. Everything he did was for Jesus. He inherited a fortune from his parents when they passed away. He was younger. He didn't live off the hog. I mean, he didn't live high on the hog with the money they gave him. He turned around and used it to help other people. He spent his entire life helping other people. Right? He used his wealth and his time to minister to other people without concern for himself. Right? He was a humble, humble servant of God. He was persecuted and jailed for his faith. He took on other Christian leaders. I mean, if you know your church history, uh, you know that the church got together to discuss certain things. You know, one of the things they discussed was like the Bible, for example. What books are going to go in the Bible? What books are we going to consider canon? Who is Jesus? That's one of the other things they discussed. And with the Gnostic heresies that were coming up through the church that were saying that Jesus wasn't a man, that Jesus wasn't fully human, and things like that, the church would, holy cow, what's this heresy, right? And they'd get together. So you have the Nicene Council, which is one of the most... Most because you have the Nicene Creed that came from the Nicene Council. Well, Nicholas was there. He was at the Nicene Council, and and he didn't just challenge people who said that Jesus wasn't human, wasn't fully human and fully God. He literally decked one guy, right? He got in an argument with him and just floored him. He's like, "You're not gonna what? Boom!" And just laid him out at the right the Nicene Council, probably with his cane, right, or his bag of toys he had over his, you know. He didn't have a bag of toys. So, so he was a, a rough and tough Christian, right? Standing up for Jesus and for the truth of the gospel. That was St. Nicholas. But after he died, his life took a, <laughs> took a leap into legendary status like nobody's, you just can't believe it. You go read all the things that they attribute to St. Nicholas that happened supposedly after his death, right? Till this day, he has legendary status. And I believe personally, you know, that it probably, he's probably, assuming that, you know, he was in his grave, which he isn't, he would probably be rolling over in his grave at all these things that they attribute to him today. He probably would be. Because I think, I know that if you were to speak to him today, if you could, he would tell you 
one simple truth. He would say, Christmas is Jesus. Right? Because you know, Santa Claus wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the love of Jesus being shown through the life of Nicholas of Myra. You wouldn't have a Santa Claus today. But as the world tends to do, what happens? We tend to worship the creation and not the creator. There's a quote by G.K. Chesterton that says, when we were children, we were grateful to those who filled our stockings at Christmas time. So he says, well, why are we not grateful to God then for filling our stockings with legs? You see, Nicholas of Myra, a.k.a. St. Nicholas, was never looking to create Santa Claus. That wasn't his intention in life. Right? He was looking to love his neighbor. He was looking to take care of the sick and the needy. Right? He wanted his life to testify to the truth of who Jesus was. Christ, the hope of our salvation, the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah 9-2, just a few verses before the verses we read this morning, says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep, deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Well, what's that light? Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus, who's the bread of life. Jesus, who's the living water, right? Jesus says, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. This is what Nicholas wanted to show people. Jesus. He wasn't looking to create Santa Claus or a Christmas holiday or any of those things. He just wanted to serve Jesus. And in that same way, Jesus in his incarnation, when he was born, he wasn't looking to create Christmas either. Jesus didn't come so we could have a Christmas holiday. Right? Oh, this would be great. Right? I'm going to be born and we'll be able to have a Christmas holiday and they can put up trees and we can have candy canes. It'll be great. They'll never forget me. No, they will. About just a few, few years later after it happens, they'll have forgotten about you entirely. And it'll all be about the trees and the presents and the gifts. And they'll be like, Jesus who? Jesus didn't come to create Christmas. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was the purpose of his birth. First Timothy 2.4, it says, Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? This is what God desires. All people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is why you have the birth of Jesus. So let's go through those verses that we started with. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. So we can see Jesus. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Right, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Gave, give, gift. Jesus was a gift given to us by God. Right, the greatest gift ever given, Jesus. And then it says the government shall be on his shoulder. Right? Who's Jesus? 
He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. It tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, that he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. And for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus, right? The government shall be on his shoulders. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the first and the last. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the Faithful Witness. He is the Firstborn of the Dead. He is the Ruler of the Kingdom of Earth. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Who is and the Who was and the Who is to come. Jesus. Right, Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Christ Jesus. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. John 14, 27, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, right? do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is peace. And he gives us not a worldly, temporary peace, but an eternal peace. His peace. A peace that only comes from him. Because the joy and the peace that the world give you and that the world offers you are temporary. They're temporary. Ultimately, they're never going to satisfy you. They're never going to quench your thirst. Never. Right? It's just temporary because it's only Jesus who changes lives eternally. Santa can't do that. Right? Depending on which movie you watch. Isaiah 9-7, when you continue on. It says that of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This was also talked about in Daniel chapter two, verse 44. It says, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms, earthly kingdoms, and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. God's kingdom. The kingdom of the Lord. Right? Thy kingdom, as we pray. That's the kingdom that's eternal that will last forever. The new heavens and the new earth. The new Jerusalem. All the earthly kingdoms that we have today are going to be destroyed. They're going to be dashed to pieces. And the only kingdom that's going to stand forever is the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom of which there will be eternal peace. That sounds like an amazing kingdom. Right? right as it tells us in First Peter, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Right? Jesus is the Lord of all creation. what it's telling us. So when we look at these verses in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 you see this picture 
That is a prophecy considering, uh, concerning the birth of Jesus telling us that true peace and true hope are coming through a child who will be born. It will be God with us, Emmanuel. He'll be, become flesh and be with us. So what's Christmas? Christmas is a day to worship the birth of a king. Christmas is Jesus, right? Jesus is the reason for the season, as we all know. Right? Spurgeon says that there is infinite power even in an infant savior. Right? Even in the little baby who was born that day, whatever day that was, whatever season that was in, since we don't know, right? Jesus is the hope of your salvation. Jesus is your joy and your peace. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? 1 John 4.9, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Jesus. Jesus is the living one, the one who died and yet now lives forevermore because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the Son of God, right? He is God the Son. Jesus is God. And the purpose of his birth, which we celebrate on Christmas and in this Christmas season, the purpose of his birth was his death. And this is the greatest gift that we've ever received. And it is the only gift, truly, right? It is the only gift that you need. It is the only gift that you need. Everything else is just icing on top of the cake, right? Because what you truly need is Jesus. And it's not a gift that's given under the tree, as you know. It was a gift that was given on the tree. The very first Christmas gift given to us was by God through His Son, Jesus. And no other gift that you will ever receive will compare to the love of God shown through Christ Jesus. Nothing. Christmas is Jesus. You need Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you, Lord, for these words. And I thank you for the truth of the message of this season and quite frankly, the message of every day is that Jesus is the reason for the season. The truth of Christmas is that Christmas is Jesus. And our hope is found in that and our joy is found in that and our peace is found in that. And there is nothing else that compares and our life will never be the same if we give our lives to Jesus. Because only He changes our lives eternally. Everything else is temporary. So I pray, Lord, that we continue to, to shine forth this message. That we can continue to cut through all the chaos and all the commercialization and everything else that comes during these holiday seasons, Lord. And we just continue to cut through right to the truth of the message. Which is Christmas is Jesus. And you need Jesus. So Lord, just help us be a light. Help us love our neighbors. Help us, Lord. Give us the power and the strength of your Holy Spirit to continue to stand firm in your word. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.